Hey, this is the diabolical Sam Triple A. You're listening to Yuck Yuck's podcast, home of champions. Visit us anytime at youtube.com forward slash yuck yucks to watch stand up comedy clips of some of your favorite comedians. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Be sure to visit us at www.yuckyucks.com. Twitter. Twitter. And follow us on Twitter using hashtag YYCP. What is going on, my little yuckamaniacs? Welcome to the show, episode number 20. I don't even know what episode it is. Jesus. I should do my homework before I come on. A hot mic is what they call it in the business. A hot mic. You got a hot mic, kid? What is going on? Thank you for joining me so much. We've got a fantastic episode lined up, and I love saying that every week because the interviews keep getting better and better and better. And every time, every time, uh, you know what? It's funny because... Just yesterday, I was doing a uh, – folks asked me to come on their podcast down in the States, uh, the Chester and Phil Show. Go check them out. Great guys if you want to hear my story. Um, yeah, I did a little interview with these guys uh, yesterday down in the States, and uh, they asked me, who has been your favorite guest on the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast? And I told them, you know what? Honest to God, it is like the most difficult thing to be asked, to even come up with an answer because, and I, I basically told him, I mean, yeah, there's some that stood out for me, but all of them have been absolutely incredible. But yeah, I mean, absolutely episodes stand out for me. Um, I just had a, this phenomenal interview just a couple of days ago as well. Um, guy by the name of Steve Simone and, uh, you guys got to stay tuned for that interview. We've got some great ones lined up in the meantime, absolutely phenomenal interviews. Today is one of those times. Last week, I think we brought you guys Hunter Collins. Hunter Collins is just such a great guy. And I was at the condo and Damon Schritter was there, who is my guest today. After talking to Hunter, I sat down and I ended up talking to Damon. And it was just a fan. Like, to me, I was like, wow, talking to Hunter was awesome. Like, there's no possible way I can do two fantastic interviews back to back. It's just, it's very rare that you get just two dynamite interviews in a row. Usually it's like a week goes by, you know, you got time to kind of re-energize a little bit, you know, and, and, uh, you know, you'll get a guest that's really refreshed and ready to come on. And this day, right before the interview, I'm talking to Damon, I'm talking to Hunter and Damon is starting to catch a cold. He's not sure yet. He's, he's feeling a little bit, you know, itchy in the throat. He's coughing. I'm like, uh Oh, I don't know if this guy's going to want to do this interview. I'm not sure how it's going to go down, but he did it and he just rocked it. It was just a surprisingly fantastic interview. And I, like I said, I don't say that, you know, surprisingly, like I didn't expect Damon Schritter to be a great guest. What I think I'm trying to say is it's difficult to have two shows back to back that are just boom, home runs. And of course, as you guys know, the Hunter Collins episode was a home run and Damon Schritter is just like 
you know, the cleanup batter. Unbelievable. Great interview. Stay tuned. Stick around for the Damon Schroeder interview. Very, very knowledgeable guy. Guy's been around the business for a long time. And it's just some of the stories, absolute pleasure to talk to. Okay. On to other stuff. What's going on? What are you doing for New Year's this year? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going down to my local Yuck Yucks club. I'm going to hang out. I'm going to pop some bubbly. I'm going to watch some really, really good comedy. I suggest you guys do the same thing. Go to yuckyucks.com. Check out all the fantastic parties and all the, like, every club that I know so far has got just a killer headliner working New Year's Eve. Go check out your local Yuck Yucks. I'm telling you right now, they got some kick-ass New Year's Eve parties. Always fun to go into the New Year's with a huge laugh. Um, What else is going on? Yes, we are working on the live podcast show. Um, I have recruited a good friend of mine to help me write uh, the first episode and kind of have a good format to it. And we want to do this thing right. We want to we want to put on a really good show and pack the house because if we have success with this first one, I just know my executive producer Kira Williams is going to say, "Jake, we're going national." Oh yes. That's right, Jake. We are taking you across the country, mister, to do the live podcast show. Uh, I want to be able to go to each club across the country, pull in the most popular local act, have them come on the show. We're going to try to run it like a talk show format, you know, maybe like a little, uh, you know, like a Tonight Show with Jake Hirsch type of a thing. It's going to be a podcast, but yes, we're going to, you know, run the format. We're, we're working with some different formats is what I'm trying to say. I've recruited a good friend of mine, Mr. Ben Cannon, to help me write the first episode so that when we you know, present this, um, to, uh, my good friend, Carrie Williams, that she is going to say, wow, brilliant. Do it. Let's green light this son of a bitch. Anyway. So stay tuned for that big, exciting news. I'm off to Texas tomorrow, folks. And I don't really know how I feel about that. Uh, and it's not to say that I'm not looking forward to going to Texas. It is, uh, basically what I'm saying is given the political climate of the United States right now, it is a little bit weird for me to go back down to the States. I've been in Canada. I love Canada. This is my home now. This is where I rest my my weary head at night and wake up in the morning. And this is where I'm planning on staying for the foreseeable future. Uh, no reason to think that I would be moving back to the States for anything. But what I'm trying to say is, is that this is home. And it feels a little weird going back down to the States after watching the fucking circus and clown show that has been on TV. I'm sitting here right now watching live CNN in the studio. Uh, yes, I've got a nice little studio. Uh, I've got uh, CNN on and I'm looking at um, Mr. This, this, uh, this complete clown, Mr. Donald Trump on TV uh, you know, just slagging immigrants and Muslims and, and everything. It's just, I don't know. It makes me sick. Yes, we do live in scary times right now, folks. There is a lot of, uh, of, of fear going on out there. And I, I just want to remind people that it's just be good to each other. That's all I'm going to say. You know what? It's all a choice right now. We can choose to live in a very ignorant fear-mongering place where we can just choose to believe that the greater good is going to prevail, that we're on the right side of history, folks, and I believe that we are. And I know that it's scary out there. I know it's scary to travel. I know it's scary to be in public places. And, and you know, I'm, I'm glad that mass hysteria has not kicked in because it's been very trying watching the last, uh, you know, couple of cycles of news, of course, with the Paris attacks and, and now with, you know, San Bernardino. 
And you know what? I, I, I make it a point. I really try not to make it a political standpoint on this show ever. I don't ever really talk about politics. I don't talk about my own personal beliefs a lot of times. But I didn't feel good going on and not addressing things that are happening in the world right now. It can't all be laughs, folks. Unfortunately, you know, every week I, you know, we put out this podcast and, and it's, it's a lot of laughs, a lot of giggles. And I don't want people to think that I'm not thinking about those things and not addressing those things when I've got a platform to do so. All I can say is, you know, these things happen in life. They're scary. You can't prepare for them. You know, there's no warning. Um, all we can do though is not give in to the craziness that everybody around us seems to be spewing at the moment. I've, you know, had to take a break from social media at times because I don't like the way that things are, are cooking on there. And I want this place to be about you losing yourself for an hour in a good conversation. I want you to laugh. I want you to relax. And I don't want you to think about all the crazy shit that's going on in the world. You know, in the immortal words of uh, Yamla Von Sant, she said, you can't do anything as long as you are afraid of what might happen. Fear clouds opportunities, erases possibilities, and limits the ability to move beyond the place in which the mind is stuck. No matter how difficult we think the problem is, we must muster up the courage to face it. With that being said, stick around. Let's go talk to Damon Schritter. suck though i've never asked anybody like what is that like being on the road and, and being so i mean you probably had this before where you, you probably had some times you've been on the road and you've just been like sick as a dog man uh yeah it's a little tough when you're sick as a dog because you're yeah. just lying around sweating and uh <laughs> and sick and then you have the show at night so you kind of make it to the show you do the show and then you feel good that's the only time you feel good all day because yeah. i guess enough adrenaline kicks into your yeah, body yeah, yeah yeah so for like half an hour then you think oh you know what i can have a scotch and whatever you have right. a drink and then it sets you back two days. All of a sudden, you. you're back. Uh, so yeah. being here, Calgary is tough because it's really dry. So I've. Uh, it is super dry. Yeah. yeah. So I my, think uh, Eddie Delisepi said it's a great place if you want all the moisture sucked out of your yeah. face. Yeah. So I've been sweating. So my face is dried and peeled off. So I don't. I look awful. I've been having like now. I got a dry cough attack. Like it. 
at four in the morning. I woke up. I'm, I haven't had some cough attack. I feel like I worked out. Like my my uh, <laughs> your abs are my hurting. abs were hurting when I got up today. I'm like, man, I feel like I did a bunch of sit ups. I had a so solid workout this morning. It, it is good. I haven't been hitting the gym, but I'm getting an ab workout just by coughing, having a cough festival for one hour last night, and then it's just gone. I take the cough, I, but I do get to knock myself out with some sleeping pills every night. I fade out to a little. Uh, outsiders on night one i took some cough medicine got all high and watched pony boy and the kids that's dynamite man yeah oh outsiders is a classic man. yeah and it's funny because the girl in the front wrote the show the night that night had a tattooed on her arm stay gold and i'm like is that from oh yeah the outsiders? Gold she's like pony yeah boy. pony boy and then i come back and the outsiders is on no yeah, way just that sort of shit <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the stars of a line that evening yeah. for you so i knew i should watch it i sat down and watched it wow man that's yeah. incredible well hey let's start back at the beginning i mean I know Vancouver is home for you now. Yeah. Where did you start off, man? Where did I start off comedy or where yeah. did I grow well, up? Well, actually, let's we'll start off. Where did you where, Yeah, where did I, you grow up? I grew up on uh, Vancouver Island. No shit. So just over on the island, like I was uh, in between Victoria and Parksville. Like I lived Victoria to like 10 and the parents got divorced. So I right. did a, a grade 6 to 12 stint up uh, up island in Parksville. Oh, My nice. I was up there and then, and then I moved over to Vancouver. Like I've lived in Vancouver. Wow. Most of my adult life, Vancouver and then L.A. for like a year. But yeah. for the most part, always Vancouver. So I started comedy in Vancouver. There was no... It wasn't much of a there scene There was no Victoria, comedy on the island like when I started. There was no sushi restaurants or comedy. Now they've wow. got tons of both. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're all over the I've place. been out there one time, and uh, my brother plays in a band, or he used to play in a band, and he played out there at a place called Harpo's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Harpo's, yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, and yeah. The drummer for this band out, and I think they're from, Van- I don't know, maybe they're from Vancouver, I'm not sure. But anyway, he owned a comic book shop down in, in Vancouver. But I remember going through there, and he said, yeah, we just got this great sushi restaurant. And then everybody I talked to now is like, oh, they got the best sushi out there. They've got, it's really turned itself into quite a quite the, an attraction the, down there. Yeah, the island's a big, I don't know, like it's big for comedy. Like you, I used to have to go to Vancouver to get sushi. Yeah. Like, no shit. Like yeah, yeah, my uncle got me. My uncle uh, was a black belt. Like he studied in Japan judo. He was a no judo. Way. He went over to study. Then he was like an alternate on the Olympic team in '76, and he was supposed to go in 1980. And we boycotted, so he never got to go. But right, right. he loved sushi. So when I was like a kid, where he took me in Vancouver, like come on in. And at first, you know, I, I didn't like it. You don't like yeah. the texture of sushi, but you sure. get that kind of you wanna that taste for that it, man. whatever the wasabi kind yeah. of gets you right. So yeah, yeah. I was like, hey, can we stop in there? So I liked sushi. But I remember, like, my buddy from Parksville, like, when we stopped in and I ate, someone came by the train, he was like, what, you're going to eat that? What would Don Cherry say about you, <laughs> fairy? Like, that's back when you still called people a homo fairy. and stuff for an insult. Still yeah, politically like, correct. Yeah, it was just, a, well, what, only a homo would eat that sort of stuff, right? It was kind of like, wow. Well, don't get so, he just thought it was just, I was ridiculous for eating oh, sushi. He man. thought he couldn't believe, he's a Parksville buddy, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So he's um, like, you artsy. Yeah, 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 I was way artsy. I had to get out of town. <laughs> Anybody with some cultural knowledge, get the hell out of here. Yeah, get the hell out of Parksville, you fish-eating fairy. Oh, that's dynamite, man. When did you decide to get into comedy? It's weird because I I guess I decided or thought about it. Um, I ruptured my spleen surfing on acid in Tofino when I was 20. So Yeah, almost died. And um, so they had to like – I was in the hospital for like 10 days. They took – like I got a big – like they – Complicated. So I had like a long recovery time where I just had to lie around. I had to go back and stay at my mom's for a couple of months while yeah. I learned, you know you just had to get up and walk in because all your stomach sure. muscles were cut. It was this long, but I was watching Evening at the Improv, right? 
And Great I'd show, start man. to see that, like them doing stand up. And I was always like, you know, a funny guy in school. And it kind of put the seed in my head that yeah. maybe I could do this. And I still didn't do it for probably four or five years after that. Like I moved to Vancouver and I started working in the film business as an assistant director and that. And then slowly I went down and watched a couple of shows at like Yuck Yucks. And then I saw yeah. the amateur night and I thought I can do better than this guy. Sure. Right, they gave him big. They gave him big intros that made it sound like he just did a tour of Texas. And then, <laughs> once I became a comedian, I found he did a couple of open mics in Texas. And he was—he's always been the worst guy on the show. Like I didn't know that this guy. I thought if this guy can tour Texas, yeah, I can definitely get in on the game. Right? Yeah, they put too big a credentials for this guy. So it. Um, so that's how I start. I went down and and they're like, uh, come down and do five minutes, write yeah. your own material. And so I wrote my five, and. Uh, it went really well. And then I was like, where are Jay Leno's people? I thought, <laughs> this is the next step. I only saw five minute spots on TV. So I thought you did a good five and then they could just put you on TV. I didn't know there was such a thing as a headliner. Right. You had to do years of learning comedy. I thought yeah. all you had to do was write one. Yeah. Boom. You were on. Right. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I think a lot of people think like, I mean, I've only been in the comedy game for about a year. Yeah. But before that, I mean, I was just like, I was just like, Hey, you've got a solid five. I'm fucking ready for prime time now. Yeah. I'm ready to go. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't think like, I didn't even when I watched even the improv, I didn't realize these guys kind of wrote their own stuff. Right. I kind of thought that there was like a universal joke book out there somewhere <laughs> that they just picked and they were really good at telling these jokes. Right, and right. I didn't know that you couldn't do other guys' jokes or all that. So I didn't know that it was like, oh, they've written this and that's their own. I thought that they, oh, it's weird that they never picked the same thing to talk about. But I didn't really have any, there, there was no, you know, it wasn't, that was before YouTube. You could find out all this stuff. It was like only you could only watch what was on TV and then. Yeah. If you stumbled into your library and found an article, you had to like research this stuff if you <laughs> exactly. wanted to get into it, right? It wasn't at your fingertips. So really naive when I started. Yeah. And then I'd come down like every two months with a new five, because I thought you had to bring a new five each time. Right, 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 right. And so... When, when really, like they, they really preached to you is to work your five to a death, to, right? Yeah, that's what they do a showcase, but there wasn't like always the same people. So a couple of comics got to like see me coming down. It was Tom Stade. Of all right. guys, who's now, he's a great comic over in England, but he was a big comic in Canada at the time. Told me, he's like, why don't you, you got to start to polish this stuff. Right, right. I didn't know what that meant. He's like, you got to, why don't you do that bus story? I'm like, well, I already did that. And I'm like, I, you know, so in my mind, I got 30 minutes of material, but right, I've got right. none. Right. <laughs> uh, so he told me, come down and polish it. So he started working. And then, you know, I got offered a hundred bucks to go open for a guy in Prince George. I was sure. like, I'm a pro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was it. <laughs> I made it. <laughs> I've made it, yeah. And I didn't know that there was not um, comedy clubs. Yeah. I didn't wow. know that comedy didn't just happen in a comedy club. So when I said yes to Prince George, which is like a nine-hour drive from Vancouver, right? I thought uh, I'd be going to a comedy club. And then we get there, and it's like this bar, and it was like steak night with comedy. And I was like, what? Like, I didn't know that. I didn't know there was a place where they were going to be repulsed that comedy was on. We were going to be interrupting their evening was what I was booked for. It wasn't them coming to watch me. They we weren't were, there to be entertained. Yeah, we were provided entertainment that they just wished wasn't there, right? So that was my pro debut was in a place that just oh, did not want me to be talking. I've seen some of these places and it usually is littered with a lot of people who have been drinking all day long. And they just happen to stay for the comedy show. These aren't yeah. people that just show up for comedy. Yeah. These are people they, that are like... They're the regulars and we're interrupting their Friday night. Exactly. Right? So it was two shows. You do the two shows. So 
and I got to do 20 minutes. I've only got like five. So I am bombing <laughs> after five minutes. All my chambers are empty. The riding, the bus material. Some guy I tell, fuck you, city boy, yells at me. Someone throws. Like, it's awful. I just have to survive. I just barely. Holy I talk shit. to the 20 minutes, right? I just right. start talking about whatever I can to make it the 20 minutes. Otherwise, I don't get paid my 100 bucks. And then there's a second show coming. Right. Like, okay, now we do the late show. And we go out and it's the same crowd. <laughs> so... I start no with my bus. It didn't work the first time. Like, heard it, right? So I don't even know why I attempted to do the same material to open Holy on the lake, but I had shit. no state. I didn't, I had never been in a situation like that, right? So that is crazy. That's how you learn when you start, right? It's just trial by fire. Trial by so, fire, yeah. Yeah, they throw you in, and then you. <laughs> it's like the old. Uh... It's like the old swimming lessons where your dad would just chuck yeah. you in the fucking deep end and you know, hope that you start and, treading. Yeah, hope that you either swim, sink, or swim. So yeah. that was like, and you had to talk for 20 minutes and to get your, your you know, 100 bucks. And the headliner guy didn't really care whether you did well or not. He just sure. wanted you out there for 20 minutes right? so that he'd look great. You know, and then he'd come out and insult you. There goes that guy. And <laughs> tell the joke about whatever. We'd, on the way to the show, we got pulled over by the cops. and said, we're late for the comedy show. The cops said, don't worry. The first guy always sucks. <laughs> Right? So, Not only would they throw you under the bus, they yeah. just like get tread. Oh, yeah. <laughs> his first joke, his first big laugh would be at my expense as I left like with my tail between my legs beat. And and then people are like, oh. why did you keep doing it? But like you got kind of mad because I knew I was funny and I'd right. done well in the club. So I'd sat down and I'd start writing right away. Right. Yeah, so I yeah, began yeah. to work on, I'm like, I'll make these, you know, I'll yeah. win sure. in the end. Right. So you got kind of. It think, was a motivator for you. I guess so. I think comics are, they get pretty thick skin because you right. got to like, you got to go through that. But I didn't like that. I knew I was funny and done stuff and I didn't like that it didn't work. Right. Like so you knew that these, I've got some viable laughs. I know that these are viable. I, I, I just got to get in front of the right crowd. I, well, I knew that like, okay, these people, I saw them laugh at this old headliner guy who had right. terrible, like he actually had jokes from the Universal Comedy book I found out later. <laughs> I didn't know at the time. They were like, wow, yeah. these seem vaguely familiar. And he'd be like, oh, most of my stuff winds up on the internet. Uh, you know, he just got it from there, whatever. But it, it's it's one of those like, um, yeah, I just knew that I'm like, okay, I can make people laugh. I just have to figure it out. Like it was right. a whole new beast of like not yeah. of how to, and you're not used to talking. It takes a couple of years. Yeah. Like I, what you say? You're like, you're in? Yeah, one year in. One year in. So it takes yeah. about two years or so. About, at about two years, you get kind of, it doesn't feel like you're talking to a crowd anymore. You kind of feel right. like you're not, you're that, that, oh, hey, there's a whole bunch of people, you know? Yeah. That goes away. Yeah. I, about, I find it's, 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 it's kind of a weird thing because I've had, I've only been up like, you know, whatever, five or six times or six or seven times or whatever. But I've had, I mean, obviously I've had sets that I've just been like, fuck, I walk off. I'm like, ah, you know, people are like, no, no, you got a good laugh. You got a good laugh, but you just know inside. It's like, fuck, I know I can do better than this. Yeah. And it's either, it's, it comes to that kind of that pinnacle point where you're just like, either I'm going to fucking really own this and do better, or I'm just going to yeah. say, ah, it's something I tried a couple of years back. And it's. That's, that happens to, that's most people, like there's comics yeah. who didn't talk to me until after I had done it for a couple of years, like headliners are like, well, we didn't know. Right. Most people. Yeah, 90% just fade out. We didn't yeah. know who's going to stay. So obviously wow. you're a guy who's sticking it out. Um, welcome wow. to the club. <laughs> Come to a party. <laughs> what made you, I mean, like I, obviously you had the motivation that you knew that you were capable of doing better than, than that, that bar crowd in Prince to George. Yeah. But 
what because I mean you you were in the film business. Yeah. I don't know if the film business was necessarily taken off like it has now out in oh, Vancouver. It was, was it, it pretty, was big. That was the first sort of boom. So it was somewhere in the like X Files like, type stuff. They were yeah, filming. the X Files. I was always on crappy shows, but mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but there was still like yeah, I did these things like Lightning Force or shows in the afternoon for kids and Wings Hauser. Anyhow. Uh, I worked on a couple of decent movies, but it was, um, yeah, there was still sort of a big thing, but you weren't going to get to make your own sure. movies. You were right. just working like you're a hired gun. Hired so I was doing okay yeah. as a, an assistant director, right? right. but um, I kind of wanted, to, I'd already had like, you know, been an act, so I wanted to sort of make films, so I thought that's how I'd learn, and then yeah. comedy was just kind of like a calling that I fell into, that's, tried it, right? I was just a funny guy, and I wound up being good at, Stand-up was one thing I wanted to do. I've still made like short films. I'm writing scripts and t- sure. you know all that sort of stuff. But stand-up's just sort of, I'm just turns out I'm good at it. Whatever you want to yeah. be a, you know whatever they say like the river things to you. Like you want to be a pro basketball. I don't yeah. know. Pro, well, not like I was going to be a pro basketball player. You want to be a lawyer. You know what? Fuck it. The universe says no. You're telling jokes. Right. Right. That's right. what you're doing. Right. Yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah. like, this is what I. This is am. It. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Oh, I mean, you mentioned the evening at, at, at the improv, which is, I mean, like in our generation, I guess we could say is, I mean, I grew up watching that show, Bud, yep. like Bud Friedman, Bud watching Friedman. some really magical acts happen on that stage every Friday night or whatever it was. Every weekend I was, I was like, wow, man, this is some great comedy out of the, out of LA. Who were some of the people that you looked up to back then? I can't, you know what? There were so many different acts. I can't remember. The name, like, I didn't have one comic that I thought was great. I watched it, but there was this one guy who always used to have a, uh, he'd make these big, a curly orange haired guy with a mustache. Right. I think his name's Dennis something. And he wound up dying of cancer, but he's about to get, but he'd always like, uh, he'd like, the doctor put his thumb in his, he said, put his finger in my ass. He said, you might feel some slight discomfort. And oh, his eyes I would remember go, you that, dude. remember that guy? So yeah. he had all these great lines and this timing thing. I was going to like, what happened to that guy? He, he ended up passing away. Apparently he was just about to get his own show and right. then he got cancer and he passed away. So he used to do these like facial yeah. contortions. Yeah. Where, like, is, you know, stick a finger up my ass. Like, yeah. Yeah. And his eyes would go huge. Out. So that's the guy that I remember the most God. when I first went to watch it. And it's uh, amazing, man. I never, so, yeah, so you remember that guy. So that guy sort of stuck. So I'd watch these things, and um, and then it was so weird. Like, it was surreal. Like, I guess it was probably, uh, it was probably really closer to eight, ten years later. Now I was in comedy, but I was doing a show at yeah. the, my first time at the Improv. Right. Um, and about wow. to go up on stage, and Tim Allen was pacing back and forth oh, in shit. front of me. He's dropped in to do a set. Right. And I'm like, yo, does this, like, he's like, it never ends, never ends. He's pacing around all nervous. I thought, man, wow. you're, you're already pretty big. So he goes on in front of me <coughs> and doesn't do great, but everybody's sort of watching. It's Tim Allen, right? Sure. And then he finishes and then everybody seems to, to leave and go out for a smoke. Right, right. And then I go on to whoever <laughs> sort of left milling about. Do my 15, whatever it was, eight minutes. Uh, uh, and then right as I'm leaving, it seems like everyone fills back in. And uh, Your big and debut. Then, yeah, and then my big debut. And then, but I remember having a, like, now I've had a drink. And then I'm in the washroom uh, taking a piss. And, and in comes Bud Freeman. Holy shit. Right? With, with monocle. Oh, yeah. He's yeah, yeah, wearing a the... monocle and drinking champagne, just like you saw on TV. And he's loaded. And he says to me. He comes in, I'm like, oh, Bud Freeman. And the, all I remember is he says to me, just don't piss in the sink. And then <laughs>, laughs maniacally. 
zips up and walks out. That's it. I don't even know why he said don't piss in the sink. I wasn't Holy near the sink. Shit. He just turns to me at the urinal. So I thought it was going to be these like great words of wisdom. Or no, don't just piss don't in piss in the, the sink is all he said to me. And then he walked out. And I don't know what that meant. That's the only time I ever saw Bud Friedman. Like at, at the shit. other times at the improv, I never saw him there because I think he was now more like a, a figurehead who dropped. Right. I don't think he owned right. it anymore or whatever. But, but he had this fucking presence, man. He would show yeah. up, and he'd, he'd look like uh, he kind of had this uh, this kind of... Well, he always had like, had, like, a nice suit, but he had, like, this... Yeah, like a monocle, and, like, sometimes he'd wear an ascot, and, like, just yeah, really kind of this, lounge kind of a... He was, uh, like, an eccentric guy. Yeah. Like, he was almost like the guy on the Monopoly card. Yeah, yeah. yeah. flip it over, <laughs> telling you what you won second prize in a beauty contest. He's, but he didn't have the stash. But, but it's funny, man. Every industry has one. I mean, like, you look at, like, Bud Friedman was... Yeah, like you said, the... I mean, like, people... Like, give a lot of people that walked past Mitzi Shore in the street and never knew who she was. Yeah. But Bud Friedman was... He made it a point to be front and center yeah. every he week for like, his first TV show. And it's, like, Lorne, uh, Lorne Michaels from SNL. I mean, another eccentric guy who just kind of... Well, it's, we'll have these experiences it's with them. Funny. Have you ever listened to the? Well, you listen to the WTF podcast, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, they have one where they introduce. Uh, I don't know if you listened to the Bud Freeman episode. I did. Yeah. And he said, like, when Richard Pryor first came down, he's doing Bill Cosby's act. Yeah, absolutely. Like That's he crazy. just didn't know, right? Crazy so it's shit. not like just me who didn't know there was a universal comedy, but Richard Pryor, the <laughs> Richard, greatest comic of all absolutely. time, came down in his first five minutes was five minutes <laughs> off Bill Cosby's record. Like you just, <laughs> you just didn't know, right? Absolutely, was, man. It's way different now because comics. It's all out there. Like you can yeah. look at whatever you want. History. It's all. There's so much stuff on YouTube and, yeah. and to see that there's not that naive thing when you go. And I don't think there's fear there anymore. Right. Right. There used to be like a lot of fear. Like you went down. There was only like the club and maybe an open mic in the town. So if sure. you bombed, you weren't getting on next week. Town. Right. Yeah. Like you were always like, I can't fail. Like you had to do good. Like the right. way you moved up was doing better than everyone else. You yeah. didn't spend. Uh, you weren't be- you weren't king of the amateurs like you exactly. weren't best guy in a shitty open mic room right for five years right right, right. right. there's those guys that are like oh you know they're still in it it should have been gone years ago absolutely um, and that happens now because there's yeah. always the best of some degree right absolutely there's, absolutely uh, so they're there and I remember the guy that I start this guy Brad that I start out with um really uh, Brad Brake he's now in Seattle real go getter but he always used to keep track of how many shows he had done. Really? In the first year. So all he used to always walk up to me and say, like, oh, I just did my 67th show. <laughs> that sounds so weird. And then I would say, yeah, I just did my 69th. He's like, how the hell did you? I would just, I would give him, like, I'd up it by two. Sometimes I'd let him catch up. I had no idea how many I'd done. It just, it drove him nuts that he could never do more shows than me. So he'd, just be, brilliant. he'd always come in and be like, hey, guess who just did their 85th show? I'm like, well, I did my 86th. How do you... Where were you doing shows, right? So this guy, for the first whatever year and a half of my career, two years, I just would uh, top this guy. He could never catch up to me. It drove him nuts. And uh, if you just asked how many shows I was at, he probably, he could have won, right? Holy shit. Yeah. (laughs) Brilliant, man. (laughs) Just always one up. Just made up a number. Just wrap it up my 90th. You yeah, did 88? Just, yeah. Oh, fuck me. You're no, close. Once in a, a little, oh, I think I let God. him tie me a couple of times, but never got ahead. Give him a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, man. So, okay, so you, you've obviously spent a lot of time in, in the Canadian comedy scene. How, how, where do you see things, how have they progressed over the years, and where do you see things going for comedy? I mean, I, 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 it, it seems like it's 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 definitely a growing force, but, but uh, I've... 
there's been a lot of acts that have gained some success here, and they once they get that that kind of that bite of success, they they fucking hightail it, man. They they take off. Well, yeah, you've kind of. I don't know. Some people should be thankful for what they have, and like you know, like there's a guy. I think of like Jerry D that's got his own show. Sure. In Canada, he's happy he's staying here doing whatever. Then I think of other guys who have like, you know, done a year of like like Darren Rose, and then he's taken off to L.A. Right. Right. And that's good. That's good that you know, you know you do that. I spent like a year living there and doing all the stuff. And uh, but I just you know there's so many comedians now, so I don't know where it goes. Like I think right. your best thing is to do your own stuff. Probably the guys that I know that are doing the best usually kind of build some sort of following. Yeah, yeah organically. Yeah. Like right. it's not, and it is hard. Like if you go sign with someone and then they make you do like you know, spots all over and then they're trying to put you in a sitcom or whatever. Right. They just don't have that same thing in Canada. And that's why you eventually have to, to move. You could be that's Brent Butt or whatever. But yeah, that's a funny thing because it seems like there's only a few forums of, of that present those opportunities in, in, in Canada. Like it's either yeah. you get a, you know, a little variety show on CBC or, or something like that. But it's either you fall into that or you can really try to you know branch out on your own and, and do something independent like, like Trailer Park Boys or Kenny versus Stevie yeah. or something like that. But there doesn't seem to be a huge nucleus of this is the regular trajectory of what your career should be like. No. It's kinda of, you gotta feel it out a little it, bit. Yeah, there's no there's no like in Canada it's not like they are looking at stand ups and then they throw them into shows where you right. might get a job writing on the Rick Mercer report sure. or this hour is 22 minutes or something. And that's right. like, whoa, or get, you know, the, I'll put it this way. Doing it a debaters. Right. Is like looked at as being a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yet yeah. it's just a show on CBC radio. Right. That almost nobody knows unless you're like an old person. Sure. Like nobody <laughs> is ever like, Oh, Hey, you know, when I've done debaters, I heard you on the debaters right. and nobody don't get that walking around. You get that <laughs> from the odd old guy who picks you up in a cab. Like, oh, I heard you on the debaters. Or but they don't have like people like, um, and yet that's like stuff that people are striving to do. Right. Well, and, and I think like, you know, I mean, I grew up in the States. I'm um, American. And, and I grew up where you would get to see these showcases on The Tonight Show and yeah. The Late Night Show and all these types of things. There's a real opportunity for people to, to be seen throughout the country and well, throughout the world. You well, know? there used to be three stations too, right? So right. everyone was watching that. So when you got that, when you got your debut on The Tonight Show or whatever, 25 million people. That right. was the only show everyone watched at night. So they saw you. It was sure. a big deal. And that yeah. was your one launching pad. There was no other way out there. Now, you know, we do just for laughs or right. like a help. You're just out there in little bits, but there's so much... Yeah, because yeah, back noise. then it was like uh, like ABC, CBS, and M NBC or something. Yeah, so you sort of had this one kind of show. It was a big deal to get on that show. Was, Absolutely. And I don't know how many comics were out there, but there wasn't that I many. I remember seeing Bill... Ma I went to a Tonight Show taping. Uh, oh, shit. This was probably back in 91, probably, in LA. And I went to go see... Carson and Jay Leno was filling in that night for him, and yeah. Bill Maher came out and did a did a five did minute bit or whatever up. it was. Yeah. yeah, and that was like, and I just remember laughing, thinking like, "Oh fuck, this guy is great." I didn't hear of him again for twenty years until he started doing you know uh, Bill Maher the show. Bill Maher show, and I'm like, "Wow!" But it's funny because I was just saying this to uh, to Hunter, but I was like, like you. A lot of people that are that are naive to comedy, like myself, like you go into a comedy club and you see someone, you're just like, oh man, that guy was great. You don't think about the ten years he spent honing that craft. Yeah, you don't know that. Uh, 
Yeah, all it's the, a long, long what road. What is this? The ten thousand hours, ten years, yeah. overnight success is ten years in the making, and all that sort of stuff. So that's crazy. It is a lot of that going on. Bill Maher wrote one of the best books on stand-up that I read. Really, going through, yeah, and I can't remember we'll the name right up. now. But if you yeah. look up Bill Maher and he wrote it, and it's based, I think, on like him and uh, Dennis Leary. Wow, there's one Louis. Anna, they're like it's all these four comics, and they're all starting out together. No shit. And it turned out to be this great read when I was starting to do comedy, and I don't know why the name of it. I can't remember right yeah. now, but it's yeah, yeah. it was like when you're talking about you didn't know where he was in the ten years. He right. was busy writing one of the best comedy <laughs> stand up books that yeah, like uh, about being a stand up that I ever read. So, <laughs> what about for you, man? Do you? I mean, obviously, you know, you're 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 knee deep into into well head deep into uh, into the comedy world, but. Is it you hopefully to get into to the you know, the sitcom TVs um, and all that type of stuff? Or? You know what? I'm more at this point a guy who's closer to developing and writing a show. Like mm-hmm. I've made a couple of TV shows that have got optioned right. or made to pilot, and then they haven't made it all the way. So I'm close. And I have wow. the same with some films. Yeah. So I'm writing a lot of that stuff. I'm writing a kids thing for Netflix, right? So I, I'm doing more of that. I don't want to be so much in it anymore. Right. I'm past the... You know, yeah, having yeah. to be a part in it, but I like just creating stuff. Creating so yeah. I'm sort of switching gears. That stand up's still the day job that I right. do everywhere I go. But right. like right now, we're writing with it. I don't. I don't talk too much about what I'm. The guy who wrote Sopranos. Yeah. Said don't talk too much in specifics about what you're working on because sure. he's like, you talk it out and then you don't. Do it. It's almost like you, you felt like you've done. Ah, I talked enough about it. It's done. I could have done it, <laughs> right, but right. I don't. He just like I don't know why that works so. But uh, but I could just sort of say like right now we're working on uh, like a show that we're writing for Comic Con. Nice. So it'll just go on the tour for. Wow. It's like a nerd show. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. they're gonna love it. It's written on the inside. We yeah. know one of the guys does one of the boys. So we decided let's write a show specifically for this. So that's what I like is taking that's brilliant, man. some sort of thing like the the creating writing part, the performing part. Now is right. Uh, I do enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. As soon as sure. I'm on stage, I'm like, oh, I you know I love it being on stage. But I no longer like crave having like I've gone through. I've done enough of it that it doesn't. Uh, it's the creative stuff that I right. like more than the performing. So, yeah. and the thing about doing stand up is once it's your job, it gets less creative every night, especially when you're headlining because it's on you to, to be the show. So right. you got to bring your a stuff. So you try to joke here or there, but a lot of it is stuff that's tried and true and you know, so yeah. you're no longer creating and performing. You're just kind of performing. And then right. you go back to create, you do some open mics and yeah. work on it. But that's interesting. The more you work, the less, the further away you get from the whole just creating project. You right. get into a lot more of like, here's my show. Yeah. And then you have to stop for a while and then start writing a new show type yeah. thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I've seen that. But it's, 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 it's funny you mentioned that because I haven't, I've never really talked about that on, on the show before. But I've seen comics who have been on the road for years and years and years. And uh, I've seen them perform at one, at one place and they're just like, wow, like mind, mind blowing. And then you see them a couple years later and they're still doing the same. 40 minutes and it's yeah. like it kind of seems like this guy's on autopilot a bit like he's just up there he's doing his bit and once he's it, done it's like I'm just doing this to get to my creative opportunities there's some guys who that's it they started out doing it and now they're just on autopilot and right. they haven't written a joke in five years yeah, yeah they're yeah, doing yeah. the same show so I always try and have like by the time I come back there's usually a third 10 minutes or something is right. different in the eight months that I've sort of like okay I've been working on this and then I'll you know there's a Rolodex of stuff you can use but you still go to like, let's pull this one out because those right. are 
Or the, and then slowly yeah. they fade out and you can't sure. remember Everything. what was once your best joke. You're like, I can't even remember how that one went. Like right. somebody asked right. you, but um, there are guys and that's the dangers. Like there's some guys who just, you get to that level and you can make a living out of your headline. And then I guess you get locked in a fear of also bombing. Like it's right. worked. And then all of a sudden, 10 years has gone by right? and they haven't written a joke and yeah. all of a sudden everything's outdated. Right. 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 Now yeah. all your references are, you're still talking about Nabob coffee or something, right? <laughs> like what the hell are you? I'll have a Sanka, please. Like what the hell? That joke is from 1984. Like you're, if your most recent joke is a, is a Monica Lewinsky reference, you're, you've been you stale. You haven't been writing enough. Right. So, um, that happens though. There's lots of people like that out there. And then the ones that, and then they'll just, They'll move by it. Creative people will always, yeah. if you keep creating, you'll keep moving along. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So. You've, you've been across Canada. You've been all over the place, man. Yeah. What's, uh, what's your experience has been like doing comedy as opposed from being on one coast to the far side? You know what? I, it doesn't seem very different. No? From all the places you go, like, uh, I'll say that, like, comedy, now that I, it's universal. So the right. comedy I can do, like, I can, I can do shows anywhere in North America. Like I can go from coast to coast in Canada. I could be down in Florida. I can be in the middle of Nashville. I can be in like, and Your I can do a set. I resonate do, everywhere. Everywhere. Like yeah. I figured out how to be like, I can do comedy everywhere. Right. right. Uh, the one where it didn't quite work. The first time I went to Newfoundland. Right. Um, they have like, they have the accent, right? It's pretty thick. And they're sure. talking. So when the cab driver was taking me, I didn't really know what he was talking about. Right. I could, uh, when I was, you know, if I faced a person like sometimes, but they're talking so fast, I'm like, I don't really know what they're talking about. So I was backstage and the host guy was on stage and he's killing. I have no idea what he's saying. I can't hear. I don't know if he's talking about Egyptian pyramids. If I can see the person talking, fine. But when I can't see it, right. it's a little bit too run on. Yeah. So I come out on stage and I start to do my stuff. This is probably seven, eight years ago. And it doesn't go well. Right. Right. And then this guy goes back out and starts talking in a Newfoundland or the, and just killing. Right. And so I, I'm like, what the hell's going on? So night two, I go out. He, he's gone out there. He's killed again. I walk out through the curtains and I'm like, does anybody talk like that guy? And, you know, a couple of people put up their hands. So I brought a guy up from the crowd, sat him on the chair. And then I told my act into his ear. And then he translated, translated and the crowd went nuts, right? I had him interpret uh, what I would say into their lingo. And by about day four, I began to pick up, oh, those are what the words are. And uh, I could do it. But I had to have a translator. That's on, brilliant, uh, man. Yeah. So that's the one time I could think of where it wasn't really working. And I'm like, okay, well, you're going to have to tell the, yeah, tell them in Newfoundland words. Oh, my God. What I'm brilliant. saying, right? Because it is so, a different, it's a different. It's, everything's it different. Yeah, sounds okay. a little Irishy. Like if you're really there, the people who really have the accent. Yeah. <coughs> um, yeah. <coughs> it's just a little hard to follow. And the funniest thing is that they call, if you're not from Newfoundland on that island, you're a mainlander. Mainlander. Yeah. yeah Even yeah. if you live in Vancouver, I lived all the way across the country. It wasn't just for guys just across the water. <laughs> like I was a mainlander on yeah, the, the rest of the country. And, uh, <laughs> And the guy that I became friends with, I was on tour with this Newfoundland guy. We went to this big house party and all the guys were down like the fire pit drinking. Right. And I went up to the house and the house was like full of all the women making the food. So I was in there like laughing and eating with all these women or <laughs> feeding me drink. Why? My buddy said he's down at the fire pit. Some guy comes running down and like, hey, there's some mainlander up in the house drinking and eating with all our women. And ah, the whole fire pit comes running up to put a stop to it. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't wind up in a fight or anything. They're friendly people, but yeah, 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 yeah. I was just the, I was the mainlander hitting on their women. Oh, man. 
That's dynamite. Yeah, I I uh, I was married to a a girl from St. John or uh, right outside of St. John, Mount Pearl, Newfoundland, okay. which is right outside of St. John's. And uh, what a crazy! I mean, don't get me wrong, beautiful people, great culture, yeah. but fuck, it's just very distinct culture, man. It was really funny, and it's funny because when I would you know I'd be here in Calgary and. Everything she went to was like a Newfie bar and Newfie parties and Newfie friends and Newfie. Yeah. And I'm like, you're just essentially recreating Newfoundland over here with the job. Oh, so she found like the Newfoundland mob out here oh, yeah. and started to hang out. But yeah. that, is that normal though when you move to another that, city see, and, and you find some people who come from where you come from at the beginning? And I think that there's like kind of that nesting, that comfort zone where yeah. it's like I, I talk to comedians all the time. They go down to LA and they find, to find other Canadian comedians, they hang out, they do all that shit. But there's also, there's that kind of migrant mentality of like, I'm going to make wherever I am home and experience the beauty of whatever, yeah. wherever I'm at. And it's like, and I used to have this argument with her all the time, like, why don't you just go back to Newfoundland? I mean, all you're doing is recreating it here. You're not really experiencing the, you know, the community but, of, of Alberta. But, but afterwards, like after you, it takes a couple of years sure. in the city to get your, to get to know people. And I'm sure she branched out after that. Like, yeah, I, yeah. like when I went to LA, it seemed like all my first friends there were from Minnesota. Really? I wound up with the Minnesota... The Midwest crew. Yeah. The Midwest crew, somehow I got... I went entrenched with them. They knew everyone from Minnesota. I don't no know. Way. I was in with the Minnesota group, right? There wasn't any... There was a couple other Canadians that I knew there, but right. like for a year, I don't know. Most of the people I knew were from Minnesota. Wow. What was your experience like in Los Angeles? Um, tough. Yeah. Like, tough, tough. Good and tough at the same time, but it's like... Because uh, you're trying to keep up with people who have deals or might... Like you're... you're right. right. You're trying to run with the crowd. Like I had really good management at like three art, same guys that that like Louis C.K. was like the same manager, the whole group. So they were putting me on shows, but I'll tip my hat to the guys that they make you do like, so you do a showcase that night and they tell you like, make sure you wear this shirt, do that, do these three jokes because it's Buena Vista, that's Disney's coming down to look at you to maybe put you for a show. So you do that and then you... Most of your days you're out on like auditions for stuff. So you're learning scripts and going on audition and comedy became like a, like non-creative. You're just doing the same, like five minute showcase sets for almost a year. It felt like you were just like almost like a seal. Right. But that's the state. And if you go through those states and they're always like, Damon, let us get you on a show first. Then you can go and do whatever comedy you want. So they were right. That's the way to do it. I just couldn't. It's after a really a year, different animal down there, though. Yeah, yeah. After a year, I finally was out of money and stuff, and I and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go home for a while. I thought I could just come back at any time. I didn't realize how in I was. Right. Like, I right. didn't know if I, you should just stick it out. You've got the right guys in your right. corner, all that sort of. But it came so fast and easy at the beginning. Yeah. You just, you just assume out. that's the way it always time. happened, right? Yeah. And then you realize, oh, well, they blew the tires off that one. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yep. You better go to Newfoundland and find a translator. <laughs> <laughs> Implement that in your act. Yeah, we'll get yeah, you back here. Yeah. Who was on the scene back then, like when you were coming up and, and uh, when you were going down to LA and stuff? When like I was that? there, it wasn't. It was right before I guess things got really big. Like like the scene was. It was different people all the time coming down doing stand up, but um, I can't even recall who was great. Like. It, you know, Louis C.K. wasn't around then. Like, he'd right. be at, those guys would be at places doing sort of shows. Zach Galifianakis. Right, right. I saw a lot of, uh, Pat Oswald was doing stand-up yeah. very often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the first time, I didn't know who Margaret Cho was the first right. time I was there. Right. So I was at, like, this place called Largo where everyone went to do their shows. Right. And so I was sitting there, and, like, I had my, and she 
was up on stage yeah. and like bombed. Did yeah. her like eight five minutes on a Korean mother store or something. <laughs> right. <I> sat down <laughs> and I she sat down like beside me at the bar. I sort of turned like, hey, you know, you got some good stuff. Don't you know, keep it up. Hey, I've given her some advice. <laughs> I'm like new guy now. She just looked at me like, what a fucking idiot and then turned away from me. You know, so, and then like two nights later, I just happened to be watching HBO and she comes out. It's her special. I'm like, holy fuck. That's no the girl way. I was giving advice to. Right. So that's how I found out who Margaret Cho was. But I would just, yeah, you know, I saw like Sarah Silverman would come out. Um, shit. Yeah. They were sort of working. That was who was at Largo at the time working right. on their. On their, their acts, their acts right? Their so they were there. Because um, I hear that a lot. I hear a lot of people, like, they go down and they're like, man, you know, you're quickly reminded of where you sit on the totem pole yeah. down there. And it's the comedy, the difference is that it's very, like, you got your five, boom, 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 boom. They want set up, punch, set up, punch, set up, punch. And it doesn't really give you a huge amount of time to work on, you know, if you got a material that's going to evolve into something into five minutes. Some guys don't get set up for after yeah. three or four, right? Some like, some guys have been in L.A. for seven years and started there, and that's all they've got for comedies. They're right. five minutes that works, right? Yeah. So when you're doing the improv, that you're doing a lot of those showcases because there's always people in the crowd who work somewhere that right. can spot you. You're yeah. always kind of auditioning in a weird way. Right, right. Yet, but Largo, where I was talking about, was this kind of alternative room where... These people came. So that's where I would go down to watch comedy. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. I really liked whatever, and I only got to go up like a couple of times, but it was more like, you know, that's where people were doing different stuff. Wow. That now became sort of what alternative comedy yeah. turned out to be. This is right before alternative comedy kind of hit. Like, Dimitri right. Martin would be there. Oh, wow. But he was still doing like a... Um, he wasn't Dimitri Martin yet. He was doing like an impression of... Uh, James, uh, um, who's the heroin guy that uh, was so funny? Um, he was Letterman's favorite comic. Oh, glasses. Oh, uh, oh, shit! Now I'm I'm drawing a blank. Uh, uh, was it Hedberg? Hedberg. Mitch, Mitch Hedberg. He yeah. was still doing a Mitch Hedberg impression. Holy shit! Like he was talking like that, doing his stuff. So no you way. saw these people how they started out and doing things before yeah. they were. You know, before they found their own sort of thing. So you'd see people like that and you didn't know, like the guy who was, uh, the guy that I always didn't like watching was the guy who became Bucky, whatever, kid star. He's in Adam Sandler movies. Yeah, yeah. David Spade, wasn't it? No, not David Spade. The other guy that was grandma's boy or grand, like, uh. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I know you're talking about. Oh, he was always bombing. No shit. Yeah, always bombing. Every time I saw that guy, he would be talking so fast and just bombing. I'm no like, why way. is this guy always on? But he was always on there. Someone, someone put him on. He must all be the time. doing something. Yeah. Holy Chelsea shit. Handler was always coming. We had the same no agent, shit. so I just she just drove me nuts. I thought she was like a wow, real big mouth around the office. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I didn't know that the that the um, you know, the guys who've created it's always sunny in Philadelphia were just right there besides no they're in getting their starts of doing wow. stuff. So you were in this sort of creative environment and then i just didn't stay with it yeah and uh regret with that or no sure yeah yeah some of it like if i had known then that it was like hey you should stay at whatever cost you're at like right you're just right i now. thought it would go faster i sure. didn't realize you should be staying for a few years it could right. take time like i thought i'll get down there because everything went that way they signed you I thought you'll get a show right away right right and you get kind of discouraged but you should have you know i would have stayed because it yeah. I mean, but like now with the the amount of, you know, we have social media, YouTube, uh, next, you know, last comic standing, do, is it, I mean, cause there, there's, 
there's this this group of people out there that that get famous it seems very quickly overnight with a lot of these you know YouTube stars and viral yeah. people all this type. Does that cheapen the art at all? No, do you think? No, is I think it? some of those people like hit, but then they're not going to be able to do. They're not going to have a sustainability. Right. Like Can't some people will hit. Like Rob Delaney, right? Who's huge on um, Twitter, yeah. And actually, his TV show that is hitting written, off in England right now, isn't it, or something? It's um, in the UK, I think they film the it. The TV out show, it's it's funny. Yeah. Uh, like I I watched it, and I was surprised because I saw his stand up show, and I thought it was one of the worst stand up performances I've ever seen. Yeah, I've heard his stand up isn't that great. But he got this sort of following, and like he's funniest guy on Twitter. So he went to do some stand up, and it was all his people. And he's like, "Hey, how's everyone doing?" He kept saying how everyone's doing out there, and even the Netflix write up was like in this groan inducing, like they couldn't even write <laughs> up a good thing about it, right? And they, they taped call it. it, as so, they see it. <laughs> yeah, they call it as they see it. So you see a guy like that that's funny on Twitter, but he's had, you know, he's got all the time. That's the way he thinks. So you've sure. got time to rewrite that or whatever. And stand up isn't like that. So right. he was. So everyone thought, oh, this guy's the greatest comedian, He's and it turned out he was terrible at stand-up, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So there's those people that are, you know. That's funny how that works, though. Yeah. But they're still like, oh, is that funny? They think anybody can do stand-up. Right. Like right. Madonna tried to do stand-up. No shit. On uh, Jimmy Fallon. Right. I don't know if you saw it. I never saw that. And she's like, oh, I wrote some stand-up. So she went over, because uh, I teach in summer, these kids like uh, out at this Vancouver actor school. So I showed them Madonna, because Madonna goes over, and she does her first bit of stand-up. And her first joke, whatever she does, it bombs. Nobody laughs. Right. So you see this look on her face of like, she expected it to work. <laughs> and then she does like another thing, and it doesn't right. work. And then the band laughs. Well, they're laughing. Whatever. And so Madonna bombs for right. five minutes. And she comes off, and you know it, it didn't go well. And then I just point out, like, look, that... That's how hard stand-up is. I said, that's the probably the biggest live performer in the world. I don't know right. how many millions of people she's oh, been in man. front of Absolutely. and performed to. Sure. Went to do stand-up. Bombed. Terribly. Couldn't, you can't, yeah. like, so don't think just because you've been on stage it. for whatever, you've got this experience. Like, yeah. she's got probably more shows and hours in front of more people than anybody in the world. Right. Ate a dick. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's crazy. Right in front of everyone. So... Yeah. It's not easy. It's not easy. It looks easy, and that's the whole thing of stand-up is to make right. it look like it's just off the top of your head. You're just this funny guy, yet it's a... Is that something that can be learned, though? I mean, because I've seen... I've seen yep. like, I was just having this, this, uh, this conversation with, with the hunter where like, I went and I did the amateur night on Thursday, and, and you see some people up there, and you're like, oh, man. But then you turn around, and there's been a lot of interviews where I've done with people, and they're like, fuck, man. I, was, I got booed off the stage the yep. first... And you think to yourself, like, it's just a matter of learning how to transfer that, what you observe as funny, into the crowd. A lot of people, it can be learned. A lot of people that turn out to be great comics bomb horribly for the first couple of years. It's right. until they find their own voice and they figure yeah. out if they stick through it. So just because you're bad at the beginning. Like, if you got an idea of, like, what's funny, some people it takes a while to get. Right. And they usually turn out to be better. Um, but it can be learned. Three different, uh, we were, Hunter and I were taught three different types of people show up to stand up. Right. People who are just funny. Yeah. Um, people who have figured out how to write and perform it. Like they see how it works and they know they know how to do it. So it takes them a year. There, but they're not really genuinely funny people. But they can write a joke and perform sure. it. And then absolute weirdos. Right, right, right. Just this crowd of like nut jobs that are like looking for <laughs> attention from Squirrely. That's one oddball, whatever. <laughs> they usually disappear within a while. But a couple of them stick around for a couple of yeah, years. Yeah, but yeah. that's what stand-up is. Right, and uh, those are the three. Those are the three groups that I can figure. Mostly yeah. the funny people. Mostly they're usually funny people, but there's a lot of like 
yeah, learned comics that Absolutely. learned how to do it. So you yeah. can learn how to do it, but you have to like, I know people who have like watched, they just wanted to be a stand-up comedian and they right. weren't really funny, but they watched it. They learned how to do it. They could write jokes. It's, it's like, it's a craft like anything. Sure. Like sure. you can become an actor if you want to, or a musician. You might right. not be the greatest. Like but you might only process. be able to read music, but you can play it or whatever. Right. right. So right. I don't know. You can learn it. Yeah. Where do you get the inspiration to keep on writing? And, and I mean, it's, I've talked about it to people where their motivation is, uh, it's just observational. I'm in a funny situation. I'll, I'll make a note on my phone and I'll just, I, yeah. I got to work this joke somewhere in l- later on. But I, just even being here in the last little while, I mean, you take time to go, I'm going to go write. I'm going to go focus for this time. You need to set aside that time every day or, or do you, are you, you pretty? Should, um, I go through phases of it where right. I set aside time of the day to write jokes. And then there's times where I don't write a joke for a month and a half and then right. I've got all these notes and then I stop tuning and then I go down and try and work them out or do these jokes so it's good I think it is good like because uh, when I started you don't have any material so you're always setting aside an hour a day right. to write stuff Yeah, yeah. and then you have enough stuff you're like well I don't have to write today and then eventually you just don't write Right. so mm-hmm. I go through phases where I'm like okay I'm going to write some jokes today and like lots of times I will work on scripts and writing that sort of stuff and then I'll write a joke but the thing is I used to have to write it all out how it went, and now I kind of can go to point form of like, that's the next point that's funny. I know where I'm going in the story. Right. And then I'll go down and do it. I just need to talk about it and then get to like each point. It's like a seven-step thing for me or whatever. Like I hit this point, this point, this point, and then see if the whole joke works. I know where it goes, but I'm not sure exactly what words I'm going to use to get to. I know what the words are that I'm going to use for the punchline and the funny I don't know exactly what the setup's going to be. Exactly. Right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's the method now. That's it's, kind of usually, exciting, though. Yeah, usually I'll go for a run and right. think about it in my head. So I got an idea of like, okay, that's the five minutes I'm going to try out tonight. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty amazing, man. What's what, up next for you? What? What? Uh, um, you're, are you back to Vancouver? What's the What's the schedule like? I go to I go to Van, back to Vancouver for a couple of days, and then I'm out in Saskatoon, the heart of comedy. Um, right. <laughs> For Christmas comedy season, I'm, I'm locked in the Parktown Inn what? for 19 days, from like December 2nd to the 19th. No way. And you just do shows on the week. You do like a, two shows a night, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's all the Christmas parties come in. So they just oh, pay you, no but you shit. just stay there. Wow. So on the Sunday month, Sunday to Wednesday. So you spent a month out there just about. Yeah, just wow. about. And so, I mean, I went out one time. I remember I didn't leave the hotel for 11 days. Holy the closest shit. I got to the outdoor, I like, got about three feet from a window <laughs> once. <laughs> but you don't have to leave. Everything's contained. The shows are in the restaurant, no all way. that stuff. Yeah, so. That is crazy. You go a little stir crazy. They were calling me Hugh Hefner. No, Hugh, Howard Hughes <laughs> Howard by the Hughes. end. The staff knew because sometimes I was just walking through in pajamas with my hair all <laughs> fucked up. I was like this eccentric guy who had been living in the hotel now. Knew my way around the staff, whatever, coming by with glasses of wine back up to my room. Oh, that guy. So a little nutty, but uh, that's that's what's up next. And then a uh, trip to Hawaii for Christmas. No way. Yeah. So. Amazing. How hard is that on the personal life to be traveling so much? I mean, I'm sure you're used to it now, but I mean, is it is it tough for, for family and friends and stuff like that? Uh, a little. You get disconnected from stuff. I think it's sure. probably harder on the girlfriend when you got right. like a girlfriend would prefer you're there, but you wind up finding like a girlfriend who doesn't want, like doesn't need you to be there all the time. It, exactly. it fits, but... I also get a little bit, like now when I'm home for 
a few weeks, if it gets to week three, I kind of got to go somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets a little weird. It's like those guys in Vietnam. They come back. They had to get back there yeah, or whatever. Yeah. They don't want, when they're away, they want to be home. And when you're home, you want to be away. Exactly. That's sort of what happens with the comedians. So yeah. That's so funny. I was just having this conversation with somebody the other day about, uh, you know, it's like, uh, how many times has Motley Crue come through and just been like, it's our final tour, man. And yeah. I'm like... They just can't fucking sit at home for three or four months before their feet start itching, and they're like, "I gotta get back out there, man. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta get back you, on the road." You always think, "How much money do they need?" And yeah. I don't even know if it's for them. Some of them it's for the money, but I think they just—you need that. Like, I don't know. You're, you're used to it. Like, I have to at least be going somewhere different. It feels weird to come home to the same place every day. But yeah. when you're away, like when I'm in the park town, right. at about day thirteen, <laughs> I'm gonna be like. Like Martin Sheen in Apocalypse Now, like breaking a mirror. Ah, I need out of here. I'm waiting for an assignment. I'm going to be going stir bat shit crazy, right? And then I'll get home. We need you to pull yep. out Breslin. Yep. For, he went native on us out in the, out in the brush. Yep. Oh, still in man. Saskatoon. Look at Oh, God, still here. We need you to go pull a comic out of yep. some, uh, yep. some tribe he joined up with out in the, out in the boonies. Oh, man, that's brilliant. How can people find you, Damon? Um, well, they can go to my website. It's uh, www.damonschritter.com. If you can spell Damon Schritter, good luck. Otherwise, well, I... just put in a jumble of letters, and it'll say, did you mean Damon Schritter? And it'll find you. It'll point you to where I'm at. And uh, and then, um, you Any know. social media stuff? Any Twitter? Uh, I'm on Twitter, and I'm on Facebook and that sort of stuff. But I'm not one of those super social media guys. Yeah, I tweet yeah. a little bit. It's not really my game. Yeah. I'm yeah. old school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can look for me to write something in the paper where, <laughs> I look, where everyone gets their news. When you start listening <laughs> yeah. to CBC. Yeah, start listening to CBC. I'm on there all the time. So, Hey, man, thanks so much for doing this. My pleasure. All right, folks, and there you have it. Damon Schritter, didn't I tell you what a fantastic interview that was? I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Hey, be sure to go check out our YouTube channel as well. My friend Camille's been working on that nonstop, tirelessly. YouTube.com forward slash Yuck Yucks. Hey, on behalf of all the crew at Yuck Yucks, Mr. Mark Breslin, executive producer Kira Williams, and of course our webmaster Camille on the one, twos, and threes. Thanks for listening, and we will be back next week. <laughs>